All right, I'm going to introduce us. Uh, first, I'm going to have a big sip of water. I'm a little, I'm a little dry. Mm, do you ever let yourself get kind of thirsty just so that you can experience water being like really refreshing? <laughs> Not on purpose. All right, that might but that's a- <laughs> that's like a that's a that's an interesting that that poses interesting psychoanalytic thought problems of don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's one of those things you reveal about yourself that reveals too much <laughs> anger sexual lust the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game all these concepts originated with Karl Marx What's up, very serious viewers who are who are uh, dressed in suits and ties with their briefcases, possibly doing their taxes? Uh, What's it's up, your boss favorite, babies? your boss babies. Uh, uh, you're chanting at the uh, Macy's Thanksgiving parade, <laughs> boss baby. Uh, what do you call it? Giant balloon. Yeah, uh, we want to we want to thank everyone who supported our Kickstarter to put the Boss Baby in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade the other week, <laughs> and everyone who reached out to us on Twitter, which was a lot of you, um, yeah, to a weird amount <laughs> to talk about how excited you were for the new Singularity, aka Boss Baby, um, and you're welcome. Yeah, well, we don't call it a singularity. We call it uh, the new merger. All right, a little bit of business acumen for you. That's right. It's your favorite business uh, podcast. All gamers are bastards. I am your uh, executive. Uh, shit. What 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 executives do companies have? This bit doesn't work. I don't know corporate structures too good. The chief operating. You're the chief operating officer. I'm the chief operating officer, Kay. I am joined, as always, by uh, the CEO. That we all know that one, uh, Kyle. How you doing, Kyle? How are how are the the stocks looking? The well, pre- quarterly projections. Well, projections are up. I want everyone to know that. Thank fuck. All oh, the stocks thank fuck. are good. We have a okay. fine a fine crop of stocks coming in. A stock crop, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll take to the sell at the stock market. Um in bushels, yeah. Exactly. In a big in a big a big wagon pulled by a mule. Um we sell stocks and video games. Um I'm 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 good. It's it's nice to be potting. I I apologize for my low energy to listeners. I've been uh, struck by uh, an anti-gamer illness that I'm just I clearly is discriminating against the protected gamer class by when will it end? keeping me sick. Yeah, um, but I'm otherwise am ready and rearing to go to talk about um, the most important art form that it, of our daily lives, Fortnite. That's right. This. <laughs> This entire episode is about Fortnite. Yeah, we're gonna. T- oh man, like there's a. I need to. Do, I need to make that like a Patreon incentive. Like a, I'll make a video about Fortnite. I already have one for 
if I get like, I think it's like 500 patrons, I'll make a video about Minecraft. Um, oh boy. Yeah. So patreon.com slash labor Kyle. Um, and maybe I'll think about, uh, you know, ruining my, ruining my reputation among scholarly circles by constantly talking about Fortnite, which is, you know, it's kind of already the premise of this podcast. So I guess we're in good shape if they haven't abandoned me yet. Yeah, I mean, we recently had a uh, an extended Fortnite excursion, right? When uh, they were doing the uh, like civil rights uh, thing. Yeah, that when was... Fort when Fortnite solved racism. Yeah, when Fortnite solved racism, I think that was that was one of the times on this pod where we've gotten just genuinely like <laughs> pissed off isn't even the word, just like disgusted. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a real the the irony mask slipped. Yeah, I was uh, like, this is too repugnant to be allowed to live. <laughs> yeah, I have to, I have to, I have to punish the people in charge of this. Uh, yeah, it was a real. Usually, there's a. We usually have the, the perfect mixture of uh, passive, flippant attitudes um, mm-hmm. toward the absolute um, degeneracy of the cultural forms that we've chosen to engage with. <laughs> For the majority of our lives and some yeah. genuine analysis of said culture mm-hmm. um those two things they, they work really well together if you can strike a balance but that but putting putting the i have a dream speech in Fortnite was a a moment that i can't it was an event if you will that i can't go back from yeah some things <laughs> you can't just ironically observe you have to declare gamer jihad upon them yeah like the and well we i mean it's always fortnite man like the the, the fortnite, fortnite. Fo- the fortnite coom dungeon from like our fourth episode or something oh like that oh my god you're right like the, it is the great satan the uh, yeah the epic games jack off emporium yeah that <laughs> i'm just waiting for my phone call to get my so we can cover it journalistically for the the jack off panopticon for the podcast oh. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna cover um, it, buddy. You will see. Worry. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. I have, you know, seven hundred and fifty words on it coming out in Jacobin. In uh, Jacobin, huh? And yeah, in a uh, in a couple, whenever we can get around to that. Uh, Speaking anyway. of jacking off, uh. We've got an article here today about GameStop, a uh, Kotaku article entitled GameStop Pushes Employees to the Breaking Point During Holiday Rush. And I just wanted to talk about a few interesting little little tidbits, a little bit of lore, a little bit of GameStop lore that get dropped in this article. Um, so the premise of this thing is that uh, it's just reporting that there's been a, a even for such a just dog shit place to work as GameStop. There's been a uh, deluge of complaints from uh, workers at GameStop just about the shit that they have to put up with. Um, and this is contextualized. They kind of just drop this like in the middle of the article. Uh, so it was recently acquired by uh, this guy named Ryan Cohen who installed loads of former amazon executives in the company which is never if you're working for a company that is never uh something you 
want to hear. <laughs> um, and working conditions there uh, have, have turned to total shit. It's not... Uh, GameStop is famously not doing well, although it did get a pretty sort of humorous uh, boost from the stock thing that happened uh, earlier this year, uh, I think. Oh, man. Was that this year? That wasn't, that wasn't for last sure that year. wasn't 10 years ago? I don't know. Like, as I was talking i was like was that this year earlier whenever the fuck that happened this year okay all right um yeah so a lot of uh people have been complaining that they're i mean they're being paid like shit Uh, especially more recently there's been uh, uh a lot of dog shit entry level jobs have had to offer slightly better wages to try to entice people because a lot of people just aren't fucking doing it because it sucks too bad so uh one one uh disgruntled employee had said that they could be making you know if they went and worked at like target or walmart or one of these big box stores they could be making uh, a starting fee or starting wage rather of like 12 bucks to 15 bucks an hour which isn't you know great but fucking key holders in gamestop are still getting nine bucks an hour and uh everyone else fucking minimum wage like 750 just absolute dog shit money yeah essentially capitalizing on the uh not ju- not not even just the piss poor socioeconomic status of a great deal of people who kind of get shoveled into retail by the fall of of what uh, I've been among those people in the yeah. past before but, you know, just taking advantage of this weird industry that has all of us and so much of our imaginations wrapped up into it that you can incentivize 16-year-olds into doing the work of, you know, to basically being a, being a key holder for a retail storefront. Um, when, to quote the article, you can't even, like, afford your car a car to get to work. Um, yeah. And your mom has to take you to work. Uh, there's another part of the article that I found really interesting that reminded me of service and retail work uh, conversations I've had with service and retail workers before. Some of who are really good organizers um, about how they chip away slowly at the tiny little, you get these little perks sometimes at work that sort of massage the fact that your wages are kind of shitty and that you don't have insurance and that you don't get enough hours mm-hmm. or that like you have to string together several jobs and stuff. But, like they'll give you yeah. little perks like, in the case of GameStop, you know, a download code for a new title every once in a while. Um, yeah. It seems like according to some people who, uh, according to the reporting in Kotaku, some of the employees have still even seen these small concessions chipped away, which I'm sure is how they managed to actually keep employees. Uh, I mean, it would not surprise me if GameStop had even way before any of the pandemic stuff or way before its stock began to tank, it's always had very high turnover because yeah. they just, they exist in the space of work and labor to where like they capitalize on high, like businesses, these sort of retail shops and businesses complain about high turnover, but really they make money off of high turnover because people work there for a certain amount of time and say, Hey, pay me more. And they say, okay, here you can have 10 cents. And you go, okay, Starbucks just offered me a dollar more. I'm going to go to work for Starbucks. And they say, fuck you. Uh, that's all yeah. speaking from direct experience. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it takes on this, like even more 
ridiculous quality when they start slowly in the in an effort to sort of save their sinking ship start further chipping away at the small little concessions that people use it reminds me there's a there's a grocery store in the southern united states called publix um i know a lot of people who worked for publix they're a they're a, like a giant in the in grocery retailing in the u.s south and uh they have like my cousin works for, for Publix for years um all the way through high school uh, they used to Publix used to incentivize their workers via uh christmas bonuses and eventually like equi- company equity and stuff like that really basic stuff, stuff that sounds insane nowadays yeah but that like used to be a normal part of working a job <laughs> yeah <laughs> you just get this you'd get you, this used to be a thing you just get this stuff eventually like you would start to get offered these sort of like sort of incentives to keep you around that's really the that's the old way of doing it right you invest in workers and you develop the, their skills and, and get them to know how to do the job the way you want it done so you know you can count on that thing to be done once you found a reliable person but the new way is just try to make the job so like simple and streamlined that you can just have like a revolving door of disgruntled 16 year olds thrown at it who quit after a month because it's fucking hell yeah because it's a shitty job because it sucks and yeah. now it's like it gets to the point where the working in retail, the reason why there's been this sort of like newly forming instability in the job market and like fast food service industry and retail. And while their turnover has been even more chaotic, is not just because people are fed up and deciding that they don't feel like wasting the precious hours they have of their life working a terrible job that pays them dog shit. Instead, they'll just go try and find something else. The sort of the, the discourses of like family and stuff at work are kind of falling apart and people yeah. are, you know, seeing rightfully so um, that like, no, this is a transactional relationship and I need to evaluate it based off of those criteria. But then also there's like instability and like cost of everything like the, there are places that like the, the idea that people have, it was hard to afford your rent before COVID like versus when stuff shut down and then people didn't have a way to make money outside of stimulus from the government. And then all of a sudden now there's all these back payments that are coming in. Like in what universe is this going to create a stable like job force from which that you can like pull from and it has this like it has fired up conservatives in the most like predictably stupid way we're saying that these gaps in employment are because no one wants to work anymore it's always this like yeah it's this always virtue like ethics it's always this sort of like lack of virtue lack of like stoic like work ethic or whatever because people quote-unquote just don't want to work anymore and a lack of an understanding of it really is just as simple as like, not only am like, n- not only is the, are these people that just not incentivizing by not paying me, 
They're not incentivizing me by not giving me full time work, which is what I need. I don't want to work two jobs anymore. Yeah. That all of a sudden feels stupid to me. But it's because at the very beginning, what starts to strip away is the veneer of like the cultural discourse of like, like you're saying, family and this like uh, obligation and duty to a workplace that treats you like fucking dog shit. And it's nice to see that breaking away. I think that's a really important, that's sort of like, well, and that's what this article I think does well. It shows the entry point to this shift in perspective in the relationship with work that I think is, yeah, it's the circumstances by which we came by it are really terrible, but I think it's a yeah. gain, that gain. Yeah, it does feel kind of like it's uh, returning to an older a previous sort of way of, of of relating to your workplace where it was a lot more transactional, a lot more mechanical. Um, I feel like if you go back to like early industrial factories, you probably didn't see the, the kind of weird, like uh, uh, we're a family type rhetoric, you know, it was, it was a lot, was, a lot more openly was, coercive, especially in the United States. There was always paternalism in work, mm-hmm. but it's, I think that's just true. I think it's just different. In scale, right? I think that's what actually, like, after mercantile, like, even post uh, mercantile economy in the United States, and when people stopped apprenticing, and when industrial production changed so much, industrial production was so important to the way that we think about our relationship with work. And the fundamental changes in capitalism are just sort of like, they're, they were unique. They're, and I think, so it, like, while while I think it's always those very very sort of like familial and sometimes very gendered discourses, uh, but real or, or that like it's a lot of national chauvinism in the case of the yeah. United States when it comes to our relationships with work. I think at the end of the day, like that's what a a widened view of work grants you is the perspective of. No, my no, my boss is not a unique snowflake. Like they fucking <laughs> suck, like all the rest of them. And I need to treat this. I need to think about this in a very, very different way. Um, that eventually leads to a, a a raising in class consciousness and the potential for organizing and like all this. Like, I think it's. I think that's a part of the rising in class consciousness. The shifts in the the rise of class consciousness yeah which is harder nowadays understandably harder to do nowadays help people realize the class position despite increasing levels of inequality you know yeah and there's a lot of a lot of obfuscation of class Mm -hmm. comes down from uh, academia often that's something i want to maybe uh, there's not time really to go into it now but something i I want to maybe make a video about or go into on a a later episode is like modern sociology and stuff and kind of the shit that has been cooked up over over the past sort of few decades um which doesn't help anyone to correctly identify their position in relation to um production and the other class but um i think that uh uh, going back to GameStop, what you're saying about turnover especially is so clear here uh, in the article. It says that uh, anyone who's there for a year is considered like a veteran, which is yeah. really bad. Yeah. Um, but I uh, I want to 
move on pretty soon because I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about the game we're doing uh, this week, but I wanted to quickly note uh, because in the past we've sort of laughed about how uh, you can't get like PS5s. You still can't really, but um, <laughs> a, a load of GameStop, uh, GameStop employees had it dropped on them in October that they were going to have to fucking work on Thanksgiving and could not see their families uh, because those GameStops got a few uh, PS5s in and the hogs need their treats and they need them right away. So you're going to have to work Thanksgiving. Sorry that you didn't get to see grandma last year either because of COVID. Hope she makes it till next year. Bye. Um, and uh, I would have quit. I would have quit on the spot. Like in, unless it was going to immediately make me homeless. I, I'd like I'm out of there. Gone. Like, yeah. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's. That's hilariously evil and stupid. Yeah. And like there's there's no better time for gamers to put on a critical lens for everything that they touch, everything that they see. I would encourage you to go watch <laughs> I would encourage you to go to youtube.com slash the lit crit guy and watch <laughs> a video that John and I recently put out as a collaboration on capitalist ideology. And we used uh, some examples from pop culture you may be familiar with, including one that we covered on this podcast, The Game of the Last of Us. And think about how the, the, the poison of capitalism is already sitting in your lungs uh, because there's just no hope unless we can like – like think about th- we you got to think about you got to think about this stuff as an invasive organism <laughs> like it's the thing man like you got to <laughs> it's bad it's bad yeah and i think that everything that we do or at least everything i do but i feel like i can speak for quite a lot of people who i would put down as like i don't know what to call us uh like online leftist intellectuals in big scare quotes um, is a a big part of it is just to encourage people to think about things either in different ways or that they hadn't really thought about before, because I think that is um, a big hurdle that we face in trying to organize as a class that can advocate and and participate actively in the class struggle in its own interest is just getting getting through this layer of being kind of piggies who want our treats which is a uh, sort of a big state that a lot of us exist in um in the world right now uh, uh signified by people coming to GameStop on fucking Thanksgiving uh abandoning their families to get their PlayStations um that's not to me that doesn't indicate that things are going super swell and it's really yeah. only a type of behavior you can engage in if you're not thinking about it too much yeah 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 exactly so speaking of um speaking of thinking about things too much there's a game that we've both played and uh it has occupied a large part of my brain Ever since I played it, and I think I, I played it a few months ago. Um, are you ready to talk about Days Gone? Uh, more than more than ready to talk about Days Gone. Oh, shit. What did you do? 
the most, the most, one of the most interesting games I have played in years. That is a diplomatic way of putting it. This game is fucking insane in the most uh, derogatory, subtly ableist way you could conceivably (laughs) use that word. It is, it's fucked, man. I, um... I don't even know where to begin. So how about, uh, like, politically correct bikers? Can we start there? (laughs) Yeah, there's this, like... Yeah, so Days Gone is a game about um, a a biker named Donkey St. James who uh, is... (laughs) That is his name, That's his his confirmed Christian name. Yeah. And his, his... His... personal story of having to deal with the uh implied death of his my dead wife i miss my dead wife wife very nice spoiler it turns out she's not dead which is this why why of course she was she had to be alive but it's it's so crazy though because this game is like 50 years long and you get you get far enough into the game that you think you must be getting near the end of like a normal game made by like humans with normal brains. Uh, and she still hasn't shown up. So you're thinking, okay, soon uh, Donkey St. James is going to uh, have to come to terms with the fact that she's dead. Cause he has stubbornly like hung on to these really desperate, really like grasping at straws kind of leads that yeah. she could possibly be alive. Um, whereas everyone around him has been like, come on, buddy. Y- y- come on, man. <laughs> Nobody's alive. Everyone's fucking dead. <laughs> Why would she have made it specifically? Um, so yeah, like 50 hours into the fucking game or whatever, you suddenly find her and it's, why would you make him be right about that? <laughs> the only way that like, and it gets into really like the central politics of the game it's like the only the only reason why she would have to be alive is in affirmation of the sort of drives and does that in no like it, it doesn't have an it, it th- and this is where the game could have been like so much better like it could have been like a real piece of conservative art that we could sit here and just mm-hmm. like 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 a grab a scalpel and like pick apart like by by like vein by vein essentially that would be really interesting to do so and i think there is i think there are versions of this type of story that do that which i can get into in a little bit spoiler alerts s craig zoller is the is the answer to it but Mm -hmm. like it because this game lacks a sense of self-awareness i think that is necessary to like fully articulate a more complex, like right-wing worldview, out of what are seem to be mostly like libidinal right-wing choices, um, less sort of like like as as the result of pure drive rather than the ex- sort of extensions of drives that you know, like the nuance the nuance that humans are normally capable of when they actually think hard about things, but like this, there's this like virtuous like masculine libertarian being the big word figure at the center of this game Mm -hmm. to where 
the the reason why like an intelligent game would have made her dead and would have made him make some sort of larger big sacrifice at the it would have been red dead redemption right like yeah it would have been the that he the character would have essentially put himself in harm's way and like something would have happened to where it has to like he he essentially would have passed the torch on in a more substantial way um rather than like having an affirmation of his base desires which is to find a dead wife like so but in, but this isn't a smart game this is a this is a uh, this is a this is a this is a very <laughs> a not smart game yeah uh, that's part of that's part of the reason why it's such an interesting cultural product though is because if it were more intelligent it would be more sort of like it would have fewer if fewer sort of like on the nose critiques because really like okay so like the world of days gone is it's a zombie game mm-hmm. the zombies as they're recalled are was in, in to use the pop culture nomenclature it would probably closer to infected um they're like really intensely disgusting magnifications of the infected from 28 days the runners from 28 days later or from yeah. uh the uh the uh the will smith film i am legend i am legend yeah i am legend yeah, yeah. um it has this like basically they are disgusting smelly infected cannibals who have increased speed and agility and acute hearing and very seemed strong senses um mm. they basically have and as like I, i've seen lots of places point out that they're kind of covered in these sores or whatever they yeah. they're in an, they're essentially an invasive species um and they travel in herds and swarms um, it's called a horde and basically yeah. these hordes are these like roving packs of freakers as they call them which the look at the name yeah oh my, my god, god this game the uh, they this game is sort of this mash of discourse like an- anxious discourse about like immigration and drug addicts and all of this sort of like we're familiar with the sort of mishmash of right-wing discourse and politics that is constantly trying to find a new boogeyman like ms like the ms13 do we remember in 2016 when donald trump was talking a lot about ms13 you don't remember that because they stopped talking about ms13 yeah (laughs) ms13 or like we need to get tough on crime when it comes to the opioid crisis in the united states and fentanyl addicts and stuff like that this it has this like this is a this is a uh a dumb guy's version right wing is it like this is a right wing game made by a very confident dumb guy <laughs> and zombies are such a mainstay of, of that kind of guy yes trying to do social commentary it's like oh yeah i get it they're the undesirable other you did it so smart okay yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's this like Really, it, it has all of the it has all of the usual trappings of like right wing art, and 
none of the subtlety um, that is possible of, and people may want me to be more polemic when it comes to right-wing art, but I've spent a lot of time studying right-wing art and some of it has an incredible amount of new, the reason we need to properly diagnose right-wing art that has nuance uh, because it has these like, there's a movie called Drag Across Concrete by, it was written and directed by S. Craig Zoller. He's the guy who directed, wrote uh, a movie called Bone Tomahawk that came out in 2015. That was a Kurt Russell cowboy film um, about uh, can- about cannibals. Um, yeah. And uh, a film called, a Vince Vaughn film called Brawl and Cell Block 99, which I think is the days gone of films. <laughs> um, essentially Bra- brawl and cell block 99 is is days gone if it were smart um but really i think his his most recent movie um dragged across concrete is about police brutality and it's very right wing um it is gritty and slow and uh pretty good in a lot of ways there's a lot that's good about it in its capability for subtlety. Uh, the main sort of political audience of S. Craig Zoller's films probably won't like his films because they're too slow, too many long conversations. Um, but what I want to point out, the reason why they're worth looking at is because it has this sort of, I don't like distinctions in high and low culture, but like we need to explore the connections between something like Dragged Across Concrete, which like, was well received, but what like flopped at the box office because no one saw it. Um, yeah, because it was over two. It's a conservative film uh, about police brutality that's over two hours long, and it like could be really plotting in some place. It's really like, it, like tonally reminds me of films like Nocturnal Animals or like it has this. It's a crime neo kind of neo noir in some places. Anyways. Um, the the difference between there there are differences between that and a game like Days Gone, which just seems to capitalize on a sort of abstract fear of the other group, and exactly as you're describing, Kay, that very sort of like boring dumb guy way. Yeah. But like these discourses have this sort. There's an upward ventilating effect that like you find in an effort to sort of appease the sort of more base urgences of a, a political group, the sophisticated shitheads at the top of all of this will, will end up essentially building huge platforms for the like most insidious like manifestations of their politics. And I will cap this rant off with one more plug. There's a piece in the New Republic that was recently just brought outside of the paywall by Sam Adler Bell, one of the co-hosts of Know Your Enemy, the best history podcast about the American right. It's basically historiography of the American right, and it's incredibly well done. I've been listening to it since it started because I like um, the hosts. But Sam wrote a piece in the New Republic called The Radical Young Intellectuals Who Want to Take Over the American Right. We will link it. Um, you should read that because it's the exact conversation that we see happening between think tanks like the claremont institute basically platforming uh 
Mensch's mole bug, <laughs> literally like inviting him on, on to like, like, like we're going to talk about platforming discourse. I usually, that it sounds very online, but like, no, it, like we need it. Platform is in terms of not in terms of who you retweet. It's about discourse and where you're inter- like, basically you're, you're creating a young conservative leadership institute because you're this old conservative national review sort of like Reagan, Barry Goldwater type, but you end up like introducing a room full of 19 and 20 year olds. who are all going to go work in Washington, DC to the ideas of Mensch's fucking mold bug who literally calls himself a neo reactionary and who thinks he, who wants a Caesar to be appointed at the head of the United <laughs> States. Like, yeah, he's, a, he's an old matters. school freak. Like, see the thing is that this is what's so frustrating about like online weirdos is platforming as a a concept as it made its way into kind of like uh common knowledge uh was a really important sort of thing that was discussed in anti-fascism it was a big part of uh understanding how political movements are developed and spread and it, it turned into like you retweeted a YouTuber I don't like. Um, and it's, it became something where it's it's almost embarrassing to fucking say the word, even though we are talking about something like real and serious, because it's just, it's been bogged down by people who don't know, who don't have real problems. Like, let, let's be honest <laughs> about it. They don't have real fucking problems, so they uh, attach uh, whatever grievances they can to, like, online personalities that piss them off or, or whatever drama is happening on fucking Twitter that week. Um, but let me tell you, a bunch of, uh, a new generation of young reactionary dickheads um, getting to be exposed to fucking mutants like Moldbug, uh, that's going to cause you some problems. That's that's yeah. a problems type situation. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> So I've just been feeling really fucking like uh impatient with with people's shit lately. I've been exposed to too much yes. liberalism. I'm uh yeah, I got the rage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I um I ha- I for the first time in a really long time. I usually I usually like to um I, I like I'm, I I I like an abstract dunk. I like to reference a tweet without, you know, I, I like to make fun of something stupid that's happening online mm-hmm. in less of a direct way. I don't really like getting involved. I don't have time to post all day. And I definitely, definitely will do it if I let myself. Um, <laughs> we're just being honest. I absolutely, I, I'm just, I have a very addictive personality. I've always had a very addictive personality. Twitter's not good for me, but, mm-hmm. uh, um, I lost my shit at the takes that some of these weirdos have been putting on the internet sick shit because they clearly it's clearly you're just bored and yeah, that's um, what 90% yeah. of this shit derives from really boredom yeah, yeah. and yeah. like uh, I increasingly think that boredom is one of the most dangerous uh, <laughs> sort of uh, phenomenon in, in any kind of like semi-political space I feel like so many reactionary trends just developed out of like a bunch of bored middle class people. I mean, that's where turfs come from. 
Like, just bored middle-class housewives in Britain were like, you know what? <laughs> I've got a problem I'm, with these these transes. <laughs> I read about this new thing online to be afraid of. That's how people got yeah. hooked on Q. That's how people got hooked on all this Q stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. The, you can go into full on fucking like uh, far right cults so easily. You're just fucking bored and reading shit, yeah. and like you it's want something to be really. interesting. Yeah, yeah. We live in an intent an attention economy. This is what we're talking about. Like this sort of continued critique of the sort of day-to-day motions of our lives because not to plug myself more but go to my youtube channel i wrote a video about no man's sky watch that and it is intimately connected to exactly what we're talking about this idea that like there is like that you're definitely you're always on the menu you don't have to be logged onto twitter <laughs> to be on the menu you're always on the menu they're always going to be trying your your production power doesn't always represent what we think as production power anymore. It's been so thoroughly abstracted. So we have users who aren't necessarily buying anything, but maybe being advertised to count as like monetizable content to where cap then venture capital will come in and take guesses essentially onto what platform people are going to be talking on and commu- basically it's an, an attention economy absolutely is going to see boredom as like an extractive process like yeah. boredom is a process of production all of this is a process of production and we should abstract our analysis as a means for wrapping our head around what the fuck they're trying to get us to do yeah. And how often, how it easily it is to be manipulated when you're stuck inside working at home with a pandemic and you got Facebook open and all of a sudden you're scared of all these trans people who are going to come and trans you or <laughs> well, your children cre- or whatever. It creates this situation where something that we normally look at as quite a, uh, a safe and passive state of just kind of being bored at home. Uh, is actually quite a vulnerable state now where you know your fucking aunt or something you know having too much time on her hands and being bored at home scrolling the fucking internet that can suddenly become like a threat like you see her next thanksgiving she might be fucking nuts like she might be talking to you about stuff you you'd never heard her even even think about before uh just because she had a little too much time on her hands. She fell down a fucking rabbit hole and she may not have had the, especially if you don't grow up with the internet, uh, something we're finding and we have found in the past decade is that people who sort of get into it much, much later in life, they really don't know how to like safely navigate it. Like, I don't think a lot of younger people and not all young people are good at it, but uh, a lot of younger people don't even realize how many little things they do without even maybe thinking about it to sort of filter information or, or uh, little red flags that they pick up on uh, in just the way that like weird deranged online communities tend to talk and behave where you can be like, Oh, I recognize that you're from fucking Kiwi farms or something. I'm going to go on my way. Um, Some random like 45 year old who, you know, just like got (laughs) figured out how to access the internet on her fucking tablet doesn't have any of those skills that you've like developed since you were a teenager and she's 
just going to fall into the shit. Which, yeah, incidentally, brings us back around to the game. Yeah, the game has this... There, There's this paranoia. There's this sort of, like, social other paranoia that is so perfectly bred into cultural products like this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's most evidenced just by the... The, the permission it gives for pure disgust when faced with sort of like, in this case, the collapse of all of humanity. Um, yeah. It has this like an, a suspicion of, it has understandable suspicion of institutions and structures, um, but it's done so in such a cartoonish way that I find it, I think I think that's what I find most interesting about it is that it just has very little it has no filter this game I don't think. Yeah, Al- although um we were talking uh earlier about how it's it it can be difficult sometimes when comparing it with other right-wing art um and how it can it can feel like as we were saying it was kind of made by like quite a a dumb guy (laughs) that's kind of the impression that comes off from it but uh kyle and i have been talking about this game in in the dms for a little while i've been really hyped to finally do an episode on it because it's like i said at the beginning i've been thinking about it so much but we were saying how it felt like it was written by like a quite dumb conservative guy and then like edited by a liberal because there's all these weird inconsistencies with uh, because everything we've said about what the zombies represent and the way they're treating like the outside world, which they, they refer to as the shit, anything outside of like a settlements, you know, uh, safe walls is the shit. Um, yeah. but then at the same time, it'll, it'll really go out of its way. Like in, uh, some flashbacks, they will go to great lengths to stress that your main character and his like, uh, fucking skinhead buddy, in their biker gang are not racists. Yeah. It's a, a, a an inclusive biker gang. I don't remember if they did, but I think they might have suggested there was somebody gay in the gang. I might be uh, mixing that up with something else. Um, but they go to great lengths to be like, hey, this ain't you know you don't <laughs> you just because we're a, a bunch of white guys in a biker gang hey, don't don't make assumptions. Um, and then it, it this is taken to an even more incredible extreme later in the game long after a normal game would have ended when you find your wife is alive very nice she is working with um a a christian fascist militia led by a, a deranged older man who likes to shout bible verses and Seems like, uh, you know, any other situation, he would be rounding up the degenerates, you know. Um, And during one of his many insane speeches, he makes sure to include that his Christian fascist militia is trans-inclusive. We do not care if you are gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender. These are things beyond your control. These are things that God as ordained and we accept them which is fucking awesome it is yeah some like it 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 so clearly stands out to me as this really right-wing piece of writing 
that at some point got kind of passed over by someone who was like, well, let's, you know, we're going to add little comments here and there to make it not come off as bad. But they didn't change things enough to change the fact that this was like a Christian fascist militia <laughs> that was um, doing like really terrible things in an effort to eradicate the the other represented by the zombies. Uh, it, it, it's a completely unsalvageable concept in terms of making it not like grotesquely right wing. But they, they figured, you know what, if we add a couple lines where they say, like, it's OK if you're trans, uh, that it'll, you know, we'll smooth it out. And I think that speaks to something really terrifying about liberalism <laughs> yeah there's a in this game just just to reiterate in this game there is a christo fascist militia that is trans inclusive and wants you to know that your identity and pronouns will be respected um your valid which is like yeah you your validity validity it is useful it it is a useful way for demonstrating how empty the idea of political quote unquote validity actually is it's 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 meaningless it it doesn't yeah. have any actual like and it doesn't have any like real effect on the game there's characters who there are two women who are implied to be in a relationship in the game that felt fairly organic yeah, it felt like it didn't need to be this. It was discussed in specificity, but not in like the annoying way that hey, there's a good thing about Days Gone. It wasn't kind of annoying the way they introduced when two essentially two women were heavily implied to be in a relationship. You know, like those characters were just as half written as all the rest of the ca- rest of the characters. <laughs> well, that's a, that's actually somewhere where I find um, more right wing media tends to do better in a way because they're still very much in this kind of almost don't ask don't tell kind of mindset so as a result they're not gonna like make a big fucking scene out of it they'll just put them in the fucking story whereas a liberal thing would have to be like um i've recently watched the eternals don't watch the eternals but there's a gay character who completely inappropriately and out of nowhere in a scene um goes on like uh it's totally unrelated to what's happening, but he suddenly starts going off about like, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm perfect the way I am kind of thing. And it's like, he was clearly talking about being gay and it's like, nobody you, in this scene was sang, concerned about that. Like, should have sang it instead. Should have sang it. <laughs> Don't like, tell the, me not to fly. I've simply gotta. <laughs> <laughs> it may as well have fucking been that. In, in the middle of, like, this fight between aliens or something, where that just wasn't even a topic of discussion. <laughs> but there's, there's this liberal idea that you're doing politics if you put a gay character in your fucking awful, soulless Marvel movie. So you've got to draw attention to it in a way that a lot of right-wing media just wouldn't. They'd be like, yeah, just that's what those characters are. This is a quota. It's, it's virtue signaling or whatever if I make a thing out of it. So I'm just going to put them there. And then it ends up actually feeling more natural. A little more, uh, yeah, exactly. A little, just a little more accurate to <laughs> yeah. how normal. Yeah, in real how, life, people don't make a fucking scene unless you know someone's about to get hate crimed. Uh, but for the most part, just no one says anything because nobody gives a shit. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Like that's. Yeah. I, I'd say that's most people's. Even if they are kind of homophobic, I think a lot of people they'll just keep their fucking mouth shut. Yeah. In most social situations. 
Yeah, majority of people don't want to make a fuss. And yeah, because to... why have the fucking confrontation? Like, people are tired. Even the bigots <laughs> are tired, unless they're really yeah. committed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it like, it, it, it cuts to the sort of lack of the, 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 the game's commitment to its lack of commitment. And that comes mm. by virtue of its, the sort of, enclosure of its value set which like we've talked about is this really like really ridiculous set of virtue ethics i think of at one point where donkey saint james is like obsessed with this girl who reminds him of his friend's sister oh and yeah he's constantly running around trying to rescue someone who is basically saying leave me alone i don't want to be rescued and be taken to a place where a mandatory work camp uh, which is what it was—a mandatory work camp. Yeah, we're just rolling um, up to the gulag, no problem. <laughs> it really, like, re- for real. That lady ran it, like, like it, like it, there's this part of the story to where you're constantly following this young woman around in this paternal sense, and then like she is essentially keeps rejecting you. Yeah. Um, and then you, but you're able to sort of act as this. As always, the central character acts as this both active and passive party that is like going in and killing all these zombies just to like take someone somewhere else and then have them run off again. There's no real consequences of all of that part of the story besides the fact that you're just trying to raise money to fix your bike so you can drive north. That's really like mm. and and it's only when you keep reintroducing sort of the dream of the alive wife and then when you very inf- like in a very like infantile kind of way introduce that dream back into reality and allow him to sort of fulfill his deepest desires instead of like recognizing that instead of enacting like the actual sort of ethical premise that you created for yourself and having him go out in a blaze of glory or something after he gets confirmation that his wife is dead is dead he is forced to confront that difficulty and then he does the stoic, the right wing stoic thing, and he comes to the defense of uh, babies or something. You know, like like they love those babies. Like, I just, I mean, see, I just rewrote this game and made it better. <laughs> like, and f- it did not take. And I am, I'm a literal communist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I understood more about the sort of central premise that the person in this game, the people who are writing it and creating it, were trying to articulate. Than the like final product itself. And here's the thing, it, and not to ramble on too long, but like the if you go on the subreddit for Days Gone, it's filled with reactionary opinions. And yeah, it's Reddit, but like it's filled with a bunch of people like being really right wing, and that sort of a thing. And what's that's what's Shocked. interesting to me is that the people who play this game understood it. We understood it, but it's yeah. in that sort of like the production process gets disrupted in the in, in the creation of cultural products to where it gets this like edit at the end that makes it extremely schizophrenic in this very interesting way exactly as you're describing it yeah cuz at at the beginning it's funny you mentioned a little while ago um red dead 2 it, it in the beginning i thought it was going to follow a similar kind of narrative arc cuz he so your main character he's got his um I don't think they're actual brothers, but they're like biker gang brothers. Do you remember his name? The bald guy? Lost Damn. his arm? 
I keep call, I call stupid joke names for them. Is he called like Boomer or something? <laughs> like something Bo- like that. Boozer. Boozer. Is, I think it's Boozer. Yeah, yeah. The, he calls him Booze Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Boozer. yeah. So Donkey St. James and Boozer. Um, they're really. I, I kind of thought they were gonna uh, represent this kind of dying world because they're very attached to the before world mm-hmm. i mean he's got his wife and both of them are like they're still wearing like their fucking uh their gang colors and everything like they're still doing the biker gang thing even though they're just two guys in like a post-apocalyptic wasteland it's ridiculous like it's an absurd premise so i thought it was going to be everyone else is trying to like build a new society even if it's kind of shit and try to like move on and you know look to the future and these guys are like trying to relive what their lives were. I kind of thought that's what it was going to be. And it was going to end with him accepting that his wife is definitely dead. And that all, you know, coming to kind of a head and having to let go or die, basically. I thought that was going to be the trajectory of the game. But instead, uh, as we, we've discussed, uh, no, they're always proven totally right to just never let go of the past, <laughs> no matter what. Which is an awesomely conservative sort of narrative uh, arc for these guys to go on. Because our main character doesn't really grow or learn anything. He's proven right again and again and again. Um, So just stick to your guns. Never back down, no matter how much (laughs) uh, like evidence you're shown. And just fucking... Just rock out, bro. Dudes fucking rock. <laughs> you don't even worry about it. You're probably doing the right thing. If you felt um, like it was the thing to be doing, bad, it must be the right thing. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst kind of dudes rock game. For yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Like awesome. there's a good there's a good way to do dudes rock, and this is not it. Not just because sometimes the gameplay can be kind of janky, but because it's like the it's a, this game was inspired by The Walking Dead, clearly. Like it's yeah, The yeah. Walking Dead in like world in uh World War Z. The mechanics of the infected in World War Z combined with the uh discourses to, for a broad term, but basically the tone and the sort of po- political urgencies of The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead can be a little more liberal, uh, a little like it, it has a different sort of flavor of reactionary tendency. It, that's just, I think, because of marketing um, and because it, it was aware that its audience was broader. Um, yeah. But it has this sort of like sinking effect on like our. Like, like sort of like the buoyancy of our critical thought is like sinks like a rock underneath the weight of the, I was thinking last night I was watching, I was in, <laughs> I was in Liv Agar's Twitch stream last night for procrastinating. Right. And I had never watched Liv on Twitch. I, but I'm a big fan of QAnon Anonymous, which I've listened to for a long time. And Liv is a correspondent on that show. Yeah. And she was, I can't even remember. Oh, she, yeah, she was watching. I think she's making a video on Mr. Beast's Squid Game video. She's making a video oh. about the video about Squid Game, um, <laughs> yep. which is a really, a really good idea, mostly because it talks to, I think it's really interesting analysis of like the value form um, and the production of commodities and the sort of influencer culture, how it has like, 
it lacks so much of the structure and tendency, the shell form. It's so much more sort of like semiotic and it's like shell form as a product to where like what what it made me think of is how culture is just like culture, culture, all, all cultural products are vacuums nowadays. They, they exist by virtue of the sort of inward pole effect but they are absent at their very core. They contain the sort of signal of something. This is a video about Squid Game. Squid Game is the thing we all watched and know about. Ergo, my video matters. Even in the video, they re- I, I learned that, and I actually didn't know that they did this for even like films and stuff. For films, even stuff that's done in that will be part CG on a green screen, or that sort of a thing, like for squid, like they will they will animate in computer programs how they think sets will need to function or whatever before they build the set. That's a good idea. I mean, that makes sense to mm. me. Yeah. But when Mr. Beast does it, it's literally in an effort to just kind of recreate the shell form of the actual cultural product that he's referencing, which yeah. has an anti-capitalist critique in it. It's a very it's like like I mean I watched Squid Game. It's not the greatest show I've ever seen, but I thought yeah, it was fine. It was it was well written. It had an idea, like and it's a, it, lucky enough. It's an idea that actually aged well. Like originally yeah. when they had, if they had released that, not as many people would be I think would be able to understand what it was trying to say. I think the idea like, but anyways, this is what Days Gone feels like to me. In a lot of these types of games, is how they contain the sort of like. A sort of like pastiche of the cultural forms that people are familiar with when it comes to like conservative products, you know, an emphasis on sort of like the family, the sort of like stoic heterosexual figure who in has the signification of problems. He's a biker. He's not a businessman in a suit, but in all actuality is just my dead wife guy. He's not like, he's not like, why is he not like doing blow this entire game? If he's a biker. Yeah. He's the most like straight laced fucking guy. It's so dumb. Yeah. We're supposed to believe that he has this big, he gets married to my wife because I love my wife. And then he has this big crisis when he thinks she's dead or maybe isn't dead or whatever. And so he just has to stoically, this biker isn't going to just go hog wild. Instead, he just like stoically moves from place to place looking for my maybe not dead wife because I miss my dead wife. Like that's the most conservative, like 1980s hokey bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life. And, but at the core of it, like there's this sort of like, I mean, and, and, and that's the thing about it. Like, rather than just being com- purely referential, I think I may have, you know, made it seem like it was too vac. This form is less vacuous because by the time you reach the center of it, what you find is a sneering, seething pile of disgusting discourse about fear of an abstract other. Yeah. It is absent in many ways, but it's not Mr. Beast Squid Game, which is, I want to get views. <laughs> I don't hold Mr. Beast. Like I don't, I'm not mad at Miss. I think there are people who are getting mad at Mr. Beast. I'm like, no, he's Mr. Beast is. If it weren't Mr. Beast, it would be somebody else. Yeah, Mr. Like, Beast is an animal. You don't get mad at yeah. an animal when it bites. Exactly. That's what it exactly. does. <laughs> exactly, it's Mr. Beast. Yeah, like, he, he knows. <laughs> he, he, he knows, knows he's just a creature. <laughs> yeah, like 
For real. No, I, I didn't know who this person was, but beforehand, now I do, and I don't see much of a difference. But because at the core of Days Gone, it, there are politics in the game. It's just that they're not very well thought out. And then since it like, you know, sort of the 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 filter of the of the production process made it ha- kind of have these weird schizophrenic parts to it to yeah. where you end up. But that's how you end up with a with a Christo fascist trans inclusive militia and like this sort of like it's a weird product, but I think it describes so much of what we're trying to say about culture and capitalism that we're talking about literally on this podcast all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, relatedly, I'm I'm working on a Squid Game video, and I'm going to I'm trying very hard not to discuss the Mr. Beast thing because you just can't you can't do both at once. So the video is going to be an hour long. You just can't. Yeah, it it turns into this Ouroboros of content. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know um, in a... I'm not sure if better is the word or just more coherent, but in a better or more coherent work, uh, the main character of Days Gone would be Joel from The Last of Us, even down to his kind of obsessive relationship based on like uh, the death of a young girl in the kind of before times, right? Like, yeah. I feel like they're really similar characters, but um, The Last of Us is maybe a little bit more interested in actually thinking about what it would be like to to have a guy like that in your life and how, like, destructive and, and, and uh, like, selfish his impulses are based on, on, again, doing the same thing that the Days Gone guy is doing of just sort of, clinging on to these things that you want no matter what no matter how uh much of a bad idea it is and never kind of letting go of the past uh even if it destroys everything around you and yourself like that is joel's character uh but in the last of us you know it uh there's some pretty significant consequences to that kind of behavior whereas of course in days gone he gets everything he wants because it's based to be like that which i i i enjoy (laughs) <laughs> i would like to formally recommend that people play this game um you don't have to play all of it it's so like, long it's yeah because it's too long yeah that's the thing it's too long and there's a lot of like busy missions so you gotta like if you have the like gene that i do that requires you to for one hour a day no matter what the video game is just sit there and do something that's going to turn your brain off right now i've been playing fall guys season six if you can't tell <laughs> the level of content that i'm working with or i pl- I, I replay the same f- there's a reason why i've replayed the same final fantasy games literally over a hundred times every single one of them is because i have to sit there every evening for an hour maybe an hour and a half and do something mindless otherwise i can't sleep um i i don't know if i'd say mindless you know much like final fantasy fall guys is a rich text there's a lot mm -hmm. going on well i mean i mean youtube.com slash labor kyle you can find out um (laughs) (laughs) come on one more plug (laughs) (laughs) oh i got we at the end we got i got the big plug the big plug at the end end. okay all right yeah um the uh no there's this I, I, I think you should play this game if you like open world zombie stuff because it's not great. You don't either pay for it or as cheap as possible. <laughs> but like it has this if you're interested in 
conservative texts that you should play that you should play this it has this it has a lot of like there's a sense of what's been happening in conservative politics especially in the u.s that sort of runs as a current through this game like my favorite point i think was when donkey saint james after having saved his not dead wife from the christo-fascist militia I think I described this on another episode of Agab, where he comes out and he salutes the good troop or whatever. Oh, yeah. Says, Iraq sucked, but I, sh- I should have served under you because w- then it would have been good or whatever, which is like, oh. that's that's everything that this game is. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's base sort of like conservative politics is this mushy like collection of nothing and everything that I think is important looking at. Do that and then watch Dragged Across Concrete. And then if you do both of those things, you have permission to at me on Twitter and I'll talk about it. <laughs> that actually sounds like a pretty good time, to be honest, watching that right It'd after playing a, this. It would be a good, sh- like, if people if people are looking for conservative culture to talk about, you need to talk about S. Craig Zoller. I've, I have considered, I've seriously considered making extended videos about S. Craig Zoller because um, I find him really interesting. And you know what? If you don't care about any of that, but you just want to like drive around on a motorcycle, this yeah. game's got your back, buddy. Yeah. I, I, I like driving around. I, I've been playing a lot of Death Stranding. I'm driving around these days. Um, the, the A big thing that was like the selling point of this game before it came out was uh huge like hordes of zombies like having just lots of not different but yeah lots of models on on yeah. on, on screen going in at the same time and it, the the game delivers on that there's oh yeah really fucking big hordes and it's it's cool it's it's pretty cool like yes like as like a zombie game it's all right and i think it's yeah. it's got absolutely fascinating and bizarre uh, uh, politics throughout that will have you with your jaw on the floor and multiple times just like what the fuck is this game so like no i, w- I would recommend it i think it's a, a deeply deranged piece of art and i i think everyone should play it <laughs> there's a very cinematic moment when you play days gone when you look up and you see what you think is to be like a couple of freakers or whatever wandering towards you and then you look up over the horizon and you realize it's one of those horde things yeah and then they all start chasing you and the music picks up really well yeah, yeah that stuff is it's awesome honestly it's so they made yeah. that it's like the whole game that's the only part that they put a lot of thought into and everything else was just like what can we everything else was just like straight from the hip and then <laughs> this sort of like cinematic feel they wanted it to be an interesting open world game i can tell they didn't deliver when it comes to the story and the missions in some ways um those could would have been fine even not as an open world game but yeah those fucking horde things oh, those are cool <laughs> Oh, we should. Okay, so I mean, we want to end pretty soon here. But what was going on with the anarchists? Do you remember that? They they would they would put like little uh, little stone things around that Donkey St. James would smash, and and he'd be like, "Oh, those damn anarchists!" But oh, the uh, they just seem to be like random groups of like there's like random people like looting or, or stealing to survive or whatever. Yeah, they're like. Yeah, they're they're this kind of weird anti faction almost. 
they're this like decentralized. Yeah, they paint A's on their faces. Too. You know, anti factions are the real factions. I mean, right? The negation <laughs> of the faction is the faction. It it felt like uh, again, it felt like this very kind of surface level conservative posturing, like vaguely aware that anarchist antifas are a bad thing but not really being clear what they do or what's so bad about them. They're just kind of around being little fuckers. <laughs> but he gets really angry whenever, like whenever he runs into them or sees their like little stone things, they leave around like he, your character who, by the way, we didn't mention never shuts the fuck up. He is constantly talking, constantly narrating everything. <laughs> Like if you go try to sit down, he'll be like, "Oh well, better better sit here then." And oh oh no, I'm gonna get up. I gotta go do things. Like just everything he does, he will say what he's doing. And as you're like yeah. sneaking around enemy bases, he's like ranting to himself about them. And fuck, he gets mad about the anarchists, but it's never clear why. <laughs> yeah, it's ne- well. Yeah, that's the problem is that he's not like he's get, he he gets mad and knocks over the carns that hippies make in the woods which you know i'm not i don't want to go too deeply into my anti-hippie prejudices it's probably not appropriate on the podcast but just to say you know (laughs) there are some in some abstract ways through his abstract ramblings too donkey saint james every once in a while it says something that's relatively agreeable because as we've talked about he's actually not at all a controversial figure he's just he's a bike he's a he's a biking conservative essentially like he's like your friend's conservative uncle but he has a motorcycle aesthetic um and has seen some things man or whatever and yeah and was in <laughs> iraq and calls everything the shit like yeah. uses military lingo and stuff um but yeah he uh he really hates those anarchists and it's funny I yeah, don't really know. I, I kept why. waiting for them as a faction to do something, but I don't think they ever do. No. They're just. I don't around. think they finished that part of the game. To be completely, I think legitimately they just didn't finish that part of the game. Yeah, I, I feel. Yeah, I feel like they were gonna have something with them, and I feel like that could have been the most outrageously reactionary <laughs> segment of the entire game. So it's it's a shame. I, I want a DLC. Come on, come on. Yeah. Uh, where what, Ted Kaczynski <laughs> DLC anti Antifa DLC? Let's go. <laughs> All right, we should probably wrap it up. Okay, do you have anything to to plug? Yeah, man. Uh, watch my YouTube videos uh, at K and Skittles. Uh, like I said before, I'm working on a Squid Game video that'll be out sometime this month, and it's hopefully gonna have a few kind of interesting uh perspectives because it's been talked about a lot so i talk a bit about the uh the sangyong motor strike and the new soviet man so i hope that uh i hope you'll like it that's me that sounds good yeah it's, it's gonna be all right watch that <laughs> how about you kyle uh, well um you can follow me on twitter and uh, labor kyle and i have a youtube channel with a video that i've put out recently on uh you guessed it history and Whoa. memory um i know everyone's really surprised that i'm actually choosing to talk about my own discipline more um that that's something that you can do you can also um go and follow a twitter account 
um, at the profane pod. Um, cause I guess I can say that, uh, I am going to be collaborating with my friend and Agab guest, the lit crit guy on a new show for, uh, on the, uh, for repeater books and on the new iteration, the most recent iteration of the zero books, YouTube channel, which is recently back in repeaters hands. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about it's a show about gothic marxism and uh sort of the materialist redemption of our current circumstances um and the first episode uh, basically it's going to be essays and con- a conversation between john and myself um of about an hour, a little over an hour and then every episode is going to be on one broad theoretical topic in the first episode, which we don't know exactly when it's going to come out, maybe end of December, maybe early January, um, is going to be on hope. So, yeah, if you follow me on all my platforms, and you will run into that new show eventually. Yeah. Very excited. Do do watch that new show, because Kyle and John are two of the smartest people I know who are dumb enough to make internet content. Uh and so I, I think that it's going to be really fucking good. I'm excited for it. Uh, well, true words spoken and appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it from us. Uh, get out, go, get out of here, get lost, boss baby, go, go on, get boss get. baby, boss baby, boss baby. You gotta go out. You gotta boss go praise baby. him. You gotta say the name. Boss you gotta chant baby. it. You gotta shout it out. <laughs> Rooftops, boss baby. <laughs> All gamers are bastards. Mamma mia.